Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Golden Great as we are prepping for the new season. Um, wanted to toss a little something in your feed, uh, especially after a really difficult couple weeks for our community. Um, there's no other way to frame it. Uh, obviously, everyone has been mourning um, the, the spa shootings in, in Atlanta, as well as just the increased amount of violence directed at elders, at our entire community. Uh, Stop AAPI Hate, the organization founded by Professor Russell Jung, uh, last year after the number of hate crimes against the APIDA community was going up during COVID-19, as they started tracking all of the incidents and stuff like that, uh, they found that the highest number of reports were coming from right here in our backyard in the Bay Area. It's overwhelming. Uh, It's terrifying. And it can feel like a lot. And so that's why I'm so grateful uh, that we we hosted this panel last week on Twitch uh, with some of our friends to really just dig into all of what we were feeling. Um... It's a lot that needed to be said. The way that uh, our community, as well as this country, is treating Asian American women. Um, re- really just moving from every step from if you're still in, in that, that part of, of grieving or mourning, um, reflecting, maybe looking inward. Uh, but also for folks who are just who are ready um, for what comes next, what posture, what actions do we need to take? All of that is here in this conversation. Um, little note, if there are kids listening, there is some language, so we'll leave that to you. Um, I'm going to turn it over to our moderators, uh, Adrian Chen and Ray Wong. Make sure to follow us on Twitch for more convos like this. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash collabsf. All right, here is Ray and Adrian. Thank you, Josh. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the stream. Um, my name is Ray. I again, what Josh said earlier. I am the media director for Collaboration San Francisco, um, and with our panelists today, um, along with co-hosting with uh, Adrian, uh, we have first off we have Andrew, uh, Ashley, Christina, Minji um, here with us. Uh, KV can't make it to the um, panel today, uh, but do show some support for her. And yeah, I'm just gonna briefly introduce everyone and maybe they can say a little bit about themselves. So I'm gonna start with Ashley. Um, She is a international relations major and Japanese minor at City College San Francisco. Um, Ashley, if you really wanna say hi, yeah, go for it. Hi there. Also, just a quick side note, I um, there's specializations within IR, and I specialize in refugee crises and environmentalism. So it's nice to be here. Awesome. And then moving forward, we're going to go to Christina. Uh, she is an Asian American studies major and a theater minor at UCLA. Uh, Christina, if you want to say a few words. Hi. Um, yeah, outside of that, um, I want to focus on education reformation and accessibility in education for um, like higher education, high school and college basically is my main focus. Yeah. Awesome. 
Uh, moving forward from that, uh, we are. Gonna, I want to introduce Mitzi Chang. She is a, um, let's say, the co-founder, the founder of Collaboration San Francisco chapter, um, but also the host of the First of All podcast. Please follow that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she's also a voice actor, actor, actress herself. Um, Minji, if you want to say anything. Hi, everyone. I'm really happy to be here and see you guys. Um, actually, yeah, I've, I feel like I'm a co-founder. I feel like it's very uh, presumptuous like for me to say I'm the founder. I was part of the founding team. But anyway, okay, I love you guys. I'm really proud of everything you guys are doing. And um, yeah, I'm also in true Bay Area fashion. I'm also an entrepreneur now. So I'm learning the ropes and building a whole other thing. But I'm learning from all of you guys. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Nice. Um, and we finally we have Andrew. Uh, he is the co-founder of Boba Guys. Um, also, he helps around with <laughs> everything that's been going on behind the scenes. To be honest, um, without him, we it's like I I wouldn't have pursued something about Asian American stuff. So Andrew, if you want to introduce yourself? Um, say any other fun facts? Anything? Hold on. I don't know if I have fun. Yeah, I don't know if I have fun facts, but I think I'm just really excited. I know I'm the old man on this one, so I'm going to let you guys – I'm here to amplify the youth. So we got a lot of youth here, so I'm an old man. But uh, I'm really excited about the energy, I have to say. I mean, I've never seen what we're talking about in, a life, in our lifetime, in my lifetime. So I think that's pretty cool. So I'm inspired, for real. That's awesome. Again, uh, we're having this panel. Um, we also have commands uh, below on the graphic, um, if you see them below. And if you type that in the chat, it, it will show up the information and resources along with our guests. And also, yeah, we just wanna have this conversation as much as we can, uh, but that's pretty much uh, how we're working out for him. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are on Twitch, the chat is open for you to show support, you know, spam those commands, throw some emotes in there, all those things that I don't know about. Uh, <laughs> but it, you can also uh, ask questions in the chat too. And we'll can't promise that we'll get to get to all of them or get to them, but um, we'll, we'll def we definitely acknowledge um, your comments and uh, we'll do our best. Um, so to kick things off, uh, how have you all been taking care of yourself or, uh, what's the last thing that has, uh, brought you joy during this time? You can be as deep or non-deep as you, as you like. Um, I'll go first on this one. I, I locked them out so they wouldn't disturb us, but, um, I have a cat and my roommate also got a kitten recently. So um, watching them play fight, we'll just literally like sip a glass of wine and watch them play for like an hour or two sometimes. Um, another self-care thing I like to do when I'm feeling down or when I'm recovering from feeling down, I was we were talking earlier, but I buy myself some flowers. I have another arrangement back there. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like I've been taking time to really appreciate the small things because um, I feel like especially in the last year, so many major cha life changes have been happening for all of us. And just taking time to appreciate the little things that I can affect in my life or just little things that I can change in my life. Um, those are the same things. But <laughs> have really helped me kind of center myself and just be happy. 
I'll jump in. I think those are, Christina, that flower is beautiful. I'm a big nature fan. Um, also, I need a disclaimer. I'm running on a little bit of fumes right now mentally. So if I say fragmented things, I apologize. Um, one thing that I've done for is cooking. I've been, I think that's like my daily thing throughout COVID and especially this last week, um, making good meals for myself, making good Korean food. I made some jjigae the other night. I did oh, yeah. a good chicken dish. I don't know. I just literally look forward to meals all day. <laughs> like as soon as I'm done with dinner, I'm thinking of breakfast. Like it's a really good way to kind of nourish myself and take time away from screens and just um, enjoy food and small things like Christina said, give a lot of joy. Yeah, I can jump on that. So I was talking about this earlier, recently bought board games. <laughs> um, I, I've been trying to kind of um, disconnect from like doom scrolling because I'm subscribed to the New York Times. So that's really tempting. Um, but I've been playing board games. I've been definitely like reading more. Um, I think it's something that I, I loved so much when I was a kid that I, I feel like I just kind of forgot because I was literally doing everything else in life. So I think every, I totally recommend it. Everybody read a book or play a board game with like your housemate or something like that, because it's really, I think it reminds you that you don't have to be in front of a screen every mm -hmm. single minute of the day, so. Andrew, you got I'll some self-care? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll make mine short. Um, some people know I got a dog. So um, I got like a Cavalier uh, poodle, a Cavapoo, but I only say that this, the actual breed because, you know, it's like the ultimate like unconditional love dog. If you know your Cavalier uh, dogs, they're really affectionate, love to cuddle. And that definitely um, has been like probably the number one thing. And then the other one is friends, like just people in your life that are like, that kind of know who you are, that keep you grounded and centered. So I think that's been like a, a lot. I can't believe it's been a year. So, yeah. Must Andrew, be nice. I just, oh. I looked it up, I Googled it and oh my God, <laughs> you lucky man. <laughs> oh. Must be really nice to be able to hug something right now during this time. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my wife would probably say, uh, I didn't hug her enough. He was like, where, where did the, where did all your affection go? But in general, I mean, I have to say if she's watching unconditional love is a dog. It's, it's humans. There's always a condition, <laughs> a little bit of marriage advice, yeah. but yeah, the, the dog is super cuddly. I, I already miss him because I'm down in LA right now and he's, he can't, he hasn't had a shot, so I can't actually travel mm -hmm. or so my wife's taking care of him right now. Yeah, all these uh, wonderful self-care things. Uh, it's really needed during this time. Um, with all that is going on right now, um, what are you feeling in regards to the more recent current events? Anyone want to take it? I'm, I'm, I'm glad to segue into it. This is my, uh, whatever my comfort zone is going. Let in. it all out. Go yeah. Deep. Uh, yeah. Um, Let's go let it all out. <laughs> well, uh, what's that like? No, I'm kidding. Um, 
I kind of shut down when I first saw the headline last week about Atlanta. Um, it was weird because a few days before that, I got my little alert on my Instagram saying like, oh, it's your one year anniversary memory of whatever. And it was my one year anniversary of going into lockdown. And ironically, on that day, the same it, within the IG story, I just flown back from Texas because I was there for South by Southwest, which got canceled while I was there, like literally right before it, they shut down the whole festival. Um, and I flew back from Texas. And that day I had posted something about Asian Americans. Like I, it was already a thing, you know, then. So it was kind of a very surreal moment to remember like, oh, we're dealing with this madness for more than a year. And so when I saw the headline, I kind of, I didn't, we didn't even know the details. We just kind of knew that it's just said shooting and massage. And I, I, I just knew automatically what it was. And I think I kind of just shut down because, um, you know, I've been going through a lot of things introspectively, which a lot of people have during COVID. And I've been very attentive to like my stress level, like what I can, what my fuel tank can handle, right? And I think we are all becoming a lot more sensitive. So I think that was what I needed to do is like, I just stopped looking at it because I knew it's gonna like crack me open a bit. But the next morning I woke up and started crying, which I was, I think I was trying to hold in because I was just so sick of like, and it's not just the last year for me as an Asian American female, like I've been dealing with a lot for my whole life and I've talked about it openly. I've suppressed a lot of it. It's like a whole mix of stuff. So I think a lot has just been kind of tumbling out over the last few days um, on top of still being in quarantine, still like worrying about my parents financially, their future, their retirement on top of now their safety all of our, my friends and their respective families, myself, like I take walks every day. That's like my form of therapy. Now I'm like, I, I bought, I have mace. Cause my brother told me like, he will not be okay with me taking walks without mace. And he told me to get a knife, which I thought was excessive, but I live in LA. So I, you know, I got a knife and like, it's crazy. I'm like, is this real life? I'm ordering a knife from Amazon now. Like it's, it's, it's surreal. So it's been a lot to kind of just, and I'm, we're all still trying to like make our living and, they're students you guys are like studying like you know figuring out your future and things like that and how to contribute as a member of society I, I like how am I supposed to like do my gigs as an actor and show up and be all bubbly and lovely it's it's a lot as you can tell um and I just like I, I'm hoping you guys can share your thoughts I've wanted to ask but I've also wanted to respect space because I know everyone's had their own thing I'm curious how you guys have been doing. It's a lot. I think I can probably answer that too. Um, it's really hard. I mean, all, all in all, not even because of like the, what happened in Atlanta, but also what's been going on around the Bay Area. Um, it's been really tough. Uh, I also have relatives out here in the, out in the Bay. Um, and I don't know, it's, I, when I first heard about Atlanta, I was pissed off, to be honest. It's a, a lot of anger and frustration of like, what's going on with the community? What is, why does this keep on happening? I think those are the questions that I had to contemplate a lot for the past few days after the events. Um, I know like Andrew was very vocal about it. Um, I know even friends of mine close and dear to me um, who are non-Asian were like just devastated um, that 
these attacks um, on our community just wouldn't stop. And yeah, I mean, that's one of those reasons why this panel does ha have to happen. It's like, it's just conversations like this um, has to keep going, but also like not just finding solutions, but what can we do in the community to be much more affirmative about it? Um, but I want to hear from like Ashley, Christina, or Andrew, if they want to chime in on this too. Um, I think for me, when I like first heard about Adana, I kind of, um, like, I kind of completely shut down. Um, it brought me back to what Ray brought up, the stuff that was going on in Oakland, but also when COVID first hit around the same time last year, it really brought me back to um, when they were calling it the Chinese virus and that stretched throughout the entire summer. Or I would see clips of the news about like, there was this one time um, at the beginning of COVID where an, old, an older Asian man was harassed in East Harlem um, just for being outside because of the virus and being blamed for the virus. And what's crazy is that that was a year ago and a lot of people did kind of seem to forget and then having Atlanta come back and Oakland come back like almost a year later to like a full year later and being reminded that this hasn't stopped and we haven't really sat down to process and discuss this um, kind of hit home and like reminded me like, oh, like um, this is kind of a trickle down effect of how we were raised and like how we were supposed to like, or told to like suppress certain things because you know, like our, um, at least for me, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but my parents' main goals were to have me to just be a productive, like, citizen and just work. And if anything were to happen to me, I was supposed to turn a blind eye and just keep working. Um, and it's not really progressive for our mental state and our safety. And so that, I kind of shut down for like a whole week just thinking about that. That's where I'm at. Um, yeah, you know, like, very, very similar sentiments. I also have this, like, and I think it's just because of, like, how much I've gone through, personally, um, that I have this need to not only check in on people, but then to compartmentalize my feelings, because all I want to do is try to find a, find a step closer to a solution or something like that. Like, I'm, I, like, <laughs> I think personally, I've always been the type of leader to set up the stage, but I'm never the actor or the actress on it. I'm always like, I, I'm a huge believer in in conversation. I mean, like as an IR major, I really like, you try to have diplomacy to prevent war is like literally the basics of trying to understand like international politics and why people do the things they do and stuff. And I think all I just wanted to do was like, what could I do? And that was almost, to a fault, I put the world on my shoulders, even though I know I can't do it. And I think that's what really upset me because it took me two days. It was a two day delay after the shooting for me to like cry to my partner and tell him why this hurt. Because it hurt like in a different way. It was not like a, you know, when you lose someone really close and then you just like, for me, like I would like shut down and stuff like that. It was almost like, everything that I've gone through and suppressed, the harassment I felt, the the imposter syndrome, like all the things that I had to go through as just 
not only being an Asian American woman, but also being someone who's pansexual, someone who's part of the LGBTQ community, like something like that, it brings back a lot of memories that you don't want to think about because it's your weakest moments. And I think that's what really got me after Atlanta and also what got me like throughout this whole entire pandemic is remembering almost why people try to put you in your place because they think that you don't belong anywhere else. And I, I'm a constant fighter of that and it's tiring, but I think like Atlanta, like just shook me some somewhere different just because people kept stating statistics and they kept stating things that were very, very just like, it's this and this, and we're going to show, I, I'm a big, I have a big thing about like not showing like terrorists or murderers faces and stuff like that in case they wanted like notoriety from it and they wanted fame, but it's just the moment people started dehumanizing them is when I got mad. That's what got me because the moment you dehumanize people, you lose your empathy and you lose real reason to care because they're like, oh, well, it's just another mass shooting. It's not like we can do anything about it. Right. Especially with what happened recently. So yeah, I think that's just how I, I process things. And I'm, I try not to like crash down because I feel like the rest of the world's not going to stop for me just because I, I break down, you know, but then I realize that if I don't break down now, I'm going to break down at a bus stop or something like something really like awful. And I, and there's no one there for me. So yeah, processing this has been really hard. Um, I think for me, it's, I mean, super complicated. It's funny because as I'm doing this, I'm looking at Minji because Minji knows a lot of this. A year ago, almost exactly a year ago, when we were shut down, the, the last person, the last friend I saw was Minji. It's, it's come full circle. I went on your podcast, on Minji's podcast, first of all, and I talked about it because I actually forgot until you brought it up, actually. And I was remember because not to, my, the feeling I would say is like, I, it sounds horrible. But I, I knew this was going to happen. Like I've said it mm -hmm. to, I told Minji, when I saw Minji, it was the two days after I testified in Congress, right? When I testified in Congress in March, early March, everybody was like, what is Boba guy doing? testifying Asian hate, you know, I had remember getting grilled by the, the congressman um, from North Carolina or something, I forget his name. And he was like, well, he's basically implying what is fighting for small businesses have to do with racism? Why did I bring racism up in Congress? I remember this. And I was like, you know, the word that we now use is gaslighting, but I, I felt gaslit. And then when I came back home and talked to our team, I'm going to be honest, even not not Ashley from our team, but other people on our team were like, well, not that big of a deal, um, including managers and leaders that I had. And I felt like I was the only one talking. And none of this is to say, oh, I was right or anything like that. It was, I could see it coming. And, you know, racists are going to be racist. You know, systemic racism is systemic. So this is where I, I guess I sound old, but I'm already at the stage where it's like, let's go fix it, which is why some of you guys know what I do behind the scenes. I've been working on the system for a while. And I think I have a, I think I have a take on it, which I, you know, I allude to it in our, my Instagrams and everything. It's, it's about power structures. It's about hitting people where they, where it hurts. And so 
I'm talking about the system. So, you know, I, I have a slightly different, my empathy is still there, you know, for, for Asian women, especially, you know, I have a sister, a mom, a wife, two nieces. Like I, that hurts. And especially if you follow what I do with Boba guys and everything, whether it's Asian beauty and exoticism, I talk about that all the time, but I'm an entrepreneur. So I fundamentally don't like reacting entrepreneurs. I dictate what the future is going to be. I don't react. So I think right now what I see happening is I fundamentally, I'm just, I guess I'm a little sad. Like I'm like, why are people, people of color communities fighting? You know, I knew it was going to happen, of course, but like, can we not fight? Why is the Asian community fighting? I even think APIs right now are kind of split. You know, people don't want to, they do rallies differently. And, uh, oh, whose money are you giving? You know, I'm in the donor side, right? Everybody's hitting me up for money. And, you know, like I, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, you know, I, I got a huge dose of this when I was in college when 9-11 happened. And I was at, at Berkeley. And it was a really anti-war school. So when 9-11 happened, I had a lot of Muslim uh, Middle Eastern friends who kind of were kind of feeling what I, we now feel. And I remember in my dorm or in, in campus, and I worked at the school paper. So it was always like these op-eds about what we're talking about now, but it was through my Muslim friend's eyes. And then when we saw what actually happened with, you know, terrorism and there's no, Americans don't think about domestic terrorism. I just keep on seeing the same stuff. So to me, I know the Asians, we have our moment right now, but I think it's obviously bigger than that. I think I'm in Los Angeles and I want to bring light to, you know, what's happening in the Latinx community. You know, Latinx people, they're kind of forgotten too right now in the, in the narrative. And so I think that's where I see, I go there. So right now I'm already tired, just like you, I'm already sad, but that was probably me a year ago. Now I'm like, let's do the work. Let's, let's get this thing done. And you know, even the stuff, some of you guys know that what I went through, forgive and forget hurt people hurt people lost people are going to be lost i know who i am you guys some of you guys are good friends of mine like and you had my back let's do real work and i think that's where i feel like i'm at right now so it's a whole spectrum i think on this panel yeah yeah no it's yeah it's a lot to really take in and it's like we say a lot of things and then think the next step is like when is the action gonna happen when are we not just our communities but everyone else is gonna help us out and support each other um i know like andrew is like a huge big thing on like bridging cultures and finding ways to support each other in the long run um i think one thing i do want to talk about for sure is a little bit about like has any uh any of you guys ever had that before? Not just like the extent of that violence, but like previously in the past, whether you were younger um, or people that, ha uh, you know, that has happened to them. Um, like, how did that, how did you realize that racial like hate or hate crimes, it's like really affects you as a human being or how you've been raised? Um, I mean, we can go around the room. You don't have to share too much um, if you don't feel like it. But again, um, yeah, that's where I'm going to stop with that question. Um, I can start with this one. Um, I don't I don't think I personally have ever experienced a straight out 
um, hate crime, at least not to my knowledge. Um, but growing up, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, um, where it's predominantly Caucasian. And I remember distinctly in um, elementary school, people would just assume that I knew all the martial arts. Um, there was this one moment where we, we had music class and we learned how to play the recorder um, as public school systems do. And my music teacher would give us ribbons for each song that we learned. And I was making my way to the final one, which was the black one, like the black ribbon. And I told my teacher, not the music, like my um, general teacher that I was getting like the black belt for the ribbon today for recorder. I didn't notice at the time, but she said, oh, let me know not to mess with you because she thought it was martial arts. Um, so there was that instance. Uh, pretty laughable now, but just the implication of that microaggression um, kind of weeding its way into my everyday life um, since I was young, moving up to middle school and early high school because um, I didn't move to New York City until I was in 10th grade. So I stayed there up till ninth grade in Kansas. If anyone had ever said Asian in the hallway, I would just turn around immediately because I knew they were talking about me. They never need to say my name or anything. And um, it had gotten to the point uh, for me living in Kansas where that was normalized. And I never back then even thought that was racist a bit. I just kind of took that as my everyday life. And I guess that's where I kind of like look back and I go, wow, I was really like kind of groomed to think that this was all okay for a long time. Yeah, that's kind of my experience with that. Yeah, uh, to follow up on that, I mean, I definitely experienced a lot of microaggressions. Um, I have, I'm unfortunately and fortunately super self-aware and like I have what Andrew likes to call, I have emotional intelligence. And so I can kind of read the room and be like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> um, and there's this one instance when I was like, I was running an errand for my mom because my mom was my mom was sick and she was like, I think she had like cold or something like that. And I was like, okay, mom, we'll go get go to Walgreens, get you something. And like I'm from Daly City, this is like that's my backyard. That's um, I'm and this guy, this guy comes up to me, and I'm like 18, I think no 19, something like that. And I was back for the summer, and then he asked me a couple questions. I'm super vague because I'm also like well, you might be a danger to me. I don't really know how I feel about that. And I, um, and he started flirting with me. He started hitting on me and I was, and you know, dating my partner in the time. And then I was like, hey, sorry, I have a boyfriend. So like, I would much prefer if like, like I'm flattered, but I'm, I much prefer that you please stop like talking to me this way. And then he asked if I was Filipino and then I was like, yes. And then he goes, and then I find out he's a Spanish descent. And then he, he has this one, I remember this distinctly. He goes, well, you know, the Filipinos and the Spanish have had relations before. And then I started tripping super hard. And I was like, and like, excuse, excuse me, but like, this is exactly what I said. Cause I just was so angry. I was like, oh yeah, how you stripped my culture away and colonized my people and raised my people. Like, yeah, we definitely had. And he called me the B word and I was like, happy to be one. And then I walked away cause he was so mad that he literally stormed off. And I know my mom, I never told my mom that cause I just went and got her medicine because my mom, I grew up being told I can't be making ripples. 
you know, I, I grew up being told, like, if I make any, like, like, all of you know Captain America and, like, the story of, like, Steve Rogers <laughs> always defending the little guy. I was, even though he's the little guy, I'm the little girl who's five feet tall and trying to stand up for my friends because I just can't handle bullies. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I hate bullies to, like, the fullest extent of, like, the word hate. And my mom would always tell me, you know, one day you're going to get punched in the face, your hair's going to get pulled because you keep standing up for yourself and your friends. You just, just ignore it. And I just told her, but that's exactly why I have to, because I know that if I'm just the quiet Asian girl who's walking down the hallway and never going to tell a soul about what's going on, then that's exactly why they're going to pick on me because I'm not a danger to them. The moment I'm a danger Mm -hmm. to them, they're not going to mess with me anymore. So yeah, I've been lucky to not get punched in the face so far. So (laughs) doing pretty good. Ashley, if anybody steps to you, you got me, okay? You call me and I'll back you up. That's like, I'm 5'1", I got an inch on you, but what, like, I, I feel that so hard. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a really- Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> of course, dude. I, I'm very, I think we're cut from the same sassy cloth. I don't know. It's, 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 <laughs> it's an interesting existence to be considered a non-threat. Because I'm not here to threaten, but I'm not here to be dismissed as Mm -hmm. insignificant. And I think that's a very dehumanizing, disrespectful, cruel way to treat any human being. And I think the nature of a lot of people hurt people like Andrew, I I echo like that 100%. I do my best. I've learned to not take everything so personally, because if I did, I wouldn't be able to sleep or live. You know, it's just there's so much hate and hurt people. And that as an empathetic person breaks my heart. I don't yeah. like that somebody is so damaged inside and there's something so ugly going on. And I know what that feels like that they got to go out and spew it on other people. So on a very practical level, I get it, but I'm also a human being too. And if you are harming and threatening innocent people in general, and then also included in that is myself, my friends, my family, people that I can verifiably know are good people and that would not ever go out of their way to ever harm anybody knowingly if you're attacking those people it adds like so much more to to that fire and that like feel of fury and helplessness sometimes too but i mean it's something that uh a lot of us have to deal with in our various forms you know i i have wanted to share my story but it's come from all directions and there's a lot of like kind of relearning and de-learning or deprogramming that I think a lot of people are having to go through right now. And for me, I've been an Asian American female leader in the Asian American community, right? I've been advocating for representation. I've been around a lot of Asian American men and I've been personally, frankly, not in a hostile way, but I've been dismissed by them. They don't consider me like when it push comes to shove and they're like rallying their troops. Oftentimes I was left out and I wondered why I didn't take it that personally, but I was kind of hurt. And I I noticed it it was a pattern, but I didn't know if it was because I was a girl. I've been in rooms with other leaders, white, Asian, whatever. And because I'm a female, they literally don't think that I'm the person in charge of an event of, of like, I was a showrunner and they didn't, I was literally giving them instruction and they were in front of my face asking like, so what are we doing? And I'm like giving them instructions, like giving them their yeah. cues. And my, my, I don't know, the frequency of my higher pitch voice just like doesn't register in their brain. 
those, those kinds of microaggressions, that kind of experience, it accumulates in a person. Yeah. And I've dealt with a lot of anger over the years and tried to pinpoint that my brother is one of my best friends and a lawyer. He'd ask me like, why are you so mad? Like he's really, and not in a, in a condescending way. He's like, what are you so pissed about? And I was like, hold on. Like, and then yeah. <laughs> over the, you know, he's my therapist too. So yeah. I've been able to unpack that. And it's the small things like the assumptions that people make about you because of race or ethnicity or gender or whatever, right? Whatever they want to put you in your box for. Two, I've had dating apps, whole other ball of wax, guys. Um, the level of sleaziness, disgusting, presumptuous, nasty behavior is through, through the roof. Um, I've had guys come up to me asking if my vagina is slanted. And I just, as a biology major, like I was like, what? Like, like do you, do you, okay. It's just, it, the, yeah, across the board, I've seen street performers in LA. This was on father's day. It was, uh, other men of color, but they're street performers and they were mocking this adorable, sweet, earnest Chinese American tourist dad in his dad shoes and his fanny pack straight up, like doing the ching chonging him in front of like this whole crowd mm -hmm. in Santa Monica on Father's Day, and it broke my heart. And like, on top of the things I've experienced, but I've seen happen to people around me, it's so, it, it, it gathers, and then you're trying to like, for safety reasons, for mental health reasons, trying to just deal, let it roll off of you. I'm not gonna let this bother me. I'm gonna keep stepping. I'm gonna keep, I don't know, climbing a corporate ladder, what have you, I wanna achieve, and I wanna be able to be in a position of power to change this but you're human. We're all human. We can only, there's like a threshold and like at a certain point we crack. And then when I see other people also breaking, I do wonder like what's going on with you, hmm. but why are we like the fallout is each other, right? The fallout is all of us get damaged in that. So yeah. I don't know the things that I think are work, Andrew, I'm like, again, you know, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Like I got you. Um, I also want to offer because something I talk about in my podcast is doing the internal work, you guys, like even if it's not actively, you know, on a stage somewhere on a platform, that internal work is work. It is a lot of work and maybe some of the most important work because all of, again, the things that we've been programmed with and kind of taking stock of that and, and setting intentions and getting educated and doing kind of some thinking, meditating, what have you. That's labor. I appreciate people who do that. I'm working on doing that more instead of just trying to distract myself through pain. Um, Cause you know, overworking or over socializing or whatever, those things can be all distractions from like, what is this really about? What do I care about? And how do I want to show up? Um, that takes time to like work through. So I want to offer that as like, I don't think uh, people who are sitting in silence and introspectively like going through it, I don't discount that as, as work. Yeah. I super appreciate all the, all the stories that you shared and all those different examples. And it makes me like really think about the Asian American experience or the Asian experience in America. It's so unique. There's so many intersectionalities, um, whether it's your, your race or your, uh, your gender or your class, you know, all of those intersect and it kind of makes our, what do I call it? Our fight uh, that much harder. Um, yeah. 
that yeah. like first of all minji's just so cool like i just had to like put that out there because <laughs> yeah, like i'm just like i was like well like speak your truth girl like i <laughs> i feel yeah. that you know there's there's someone who i really look up to and she's um my older brother's partner um and her, her name is veronica i also call her atarani and she has taught me in the past few years what not only what self-care means but what self-preservation means because i'm i'm good and bad i'm a very giving person and but the thing is it's like it got to a point where it was just slowly chipping away at my soul like it was chipping away at my willingness to even try for myself to advocate for myself and it made me realize that i think because of how complex our fight is like hopping on the whole intersectionality yes it creates this very complex dialogue that we all have to have in order to get to a point where like andrew's at where he's like okay cool we gotta do the work right and we gotta we gotta go out there and uh, it's i think what we always have to remember is that we have to make sure that we also commit to ourselves with self-preservation in every sense of the word like not just you know like making sure we love ourselves but also like giving each other space and it's also like what it means to preserve who we are um there's a book i read um it, it's called it, it's a book i read when i was 15 mind you so that really like shook me um it's called a chinaman's chance by eric Liu, and he had this whole section about the power of words and the power of of just grammar and how asian american is always like grammatically it's correct for asian and american to be with a dash but he was like but what if we took out the dash and instead of having something like chinese dash american like American trade relations or something like that. It was about being Chinese American, space in between, being Filipino American, space in between, because American is the noun. And then you're like, you know, being Filipino, being Chinese, like being Thai, whatever, like that then becomes the adjective. Because if we really think about like, that's the hard part about living here and about being from here. And you know, when I'm 15, I'm just like, well, that just, blew my mind like now I have to keep reading and trying to understand not only what it means to be here but not really belong here but also what it means that am I defining myself based on other people's assumptions and on what society expects from me or am I defining it because I genuinely do care about being Filipino or am I just doing it to please my family and it's this I think that's what our constant struggle is going to be internally and then ex externally it will always be about we have to stop saying sorry for taking up space. I think that's like such a big mm. deal. I'm like, I'm a, I apologize all the time, but that's just unfortunately ingrained in me. We have to take up space in the room because I've been in meetings where they didn't even think that I was supposed to be there. Cause they're like, oh, are you this, oh, are you like the editor or whatever like that? I'm like, no, I'm the editor in chief. I'm the person that's yeah. supposed to be here. <laughs> you know, like, because my color in chief, not, no fault to him, is a mm. cis white male. And then mm. I was the girl who they're, they're asking all these editorial information from him. He's like, oh, I'm the business side. She does all the editorial. She's the one who approves everything. And I was like, I'm not here because I want to be here. Like, I do want to be there. But like, it's like, you know, I could be doing studying, <laughs> you know? But again, I think that's our constant fight. And that's something that we have to always like deal with every single day. And I know that's really tiring, um, but I think you chip at it just a little bit every single day knowing that you become the person you are meant to be and not the person that everybody else expects you to be yeah I wanted to um add real quick you know and, and kind of fan the flame of 
um, knowing that technically Ashley, Christina, and, and Minji, for women or anybody who's punching up, that's anybody who's marginalized, but women and pe people call their women, that's like double, right? And then the intersectionality people are talking about. I don't know if this is everyone's path, you know, because everyone's like, oh, like, you know, people just assume that you're built a certain way. When you guys were sharing your story, what I thought, you know, what I thought about, and because I don't want to gloss over, oh, just Andrew's like strong or whatever. And you don't just arrive there. You know, when I grew up in Jersey, I'm a Jersey kid. I, in the beginning, uh, you know, Lindsay was saying is like, you get ching chonged. That's exactly what I felt like. Everybody was like, oh, Jackie Chan, ching chong. And in Jersey is most of the people, well, I were the only Asian family in Woodbridge, which is where I grew up. And so I didn't know how to react. So in the first part, I was just always getting defeated. I was sad. I didn't know my identity. And I didn't even, it wasn't even about anger. I didn't even know how to fight back. I think when I got older, um, I moved from Jersey to San Francisco, to the Bay Area. And it was more Asians, still pretty diverse. But then I remembered and I had repressed all this anger and sadness. And I actually, um, and because I grew up in this part of town in New Jersey where it was all Italians and kind of a little bit more like stereotypically like louder, expressive. You can just tell I can move my hands when I talk. That's kind of like my upbringing for the first 12 years of my life. When I brought that over to California, I was considered right away more of an alpha dog. And I, most people know I'm a very type A. And so then I started being really aggressive. I used to be like, even right now, people are like, oh, Andrew, you're like a CEO. Like I, I'm generally don't really, I'm not scared of many things. It's just how I'm wired. But it wasn't like how I was always wired. I had this super vulnerable, I'd cried when somebody said Jackie Chan or, you know, I'm not I'm just going to say it. It's slightly inappropriate. People would say dick jokes and stuff. I played sports. How many times have I heard dick jokes when I used to go to like summer camp and play baseball in that kind of world, you know, you small PP, like it's all the same stuff that you hear stereotypically that you, I think Christina was saying, you just learn how to deal with it. It's it just, and it was before we knew what microaggressions were. Right. And so now I think the word that I just want to impart is like, as I see, especially, you know, women, people of color um, and, and also men, but, obviously there's the patriarchy that gives you some power is that, you know, I think it, the word I've been kind of trying to kind of impart on people in my company and, and people who are I mentor is like this idea of Prowse. You know, I really want to say that if there's a forum, because I really think this is the Asian leadership style. Prowse is from, it's a Greek word, but people used to think it was meek, meek and gentle. And people say it's, it's from the Bible, but the idea was that, you know, people think, oh, you're gentle, you're meek, you're submissive. So therefore you have no power. You're Asian, you're meek, that's Prowse. But actually the real meaning of the word was it was used to describe war horses. And it was the idea that war horses had to submit to the person riding to it. But the horse itself is stronger than the actual rider. It, it had to just be bridled and controlled. And the word Prowse actually translates, really the meaning of it means strength with restraint. And I think that's the power that I think, especially, you know, like my, I grew up with a very strong, uh, my mom is very strong um, personality. My mom's a big personality. My dad is very stoic. My mom is a big effervescent I, personality. I get my personality from her actually. And like, she's that strength under restraint. 
my mom lost her dad really early. And so it kind of maybe produced this kind of strength where she was the oldest daughter of the daughters. Um, her, my mom's sister was handicapped. So she had disabilities. And then my, my, my uncle was gone. So it was really my mom. And I think, I think of Prowse and I think as, as people grow, I think that's what we're looking for. I think the community is looking for Prowse. It's yeah, we've been hurt before, but we have all this power, but it's that restraint and how do you control, which is I think what we're all learning how to do. That's actually what people have, I've been trying to learn. I know as a CEO with a certain net worth and certain type of politics and network, I can kind of do a lot of damage. But if I just am reckless and I'm always angry the way I was maybe in my 20s, mm. I don't think that would have worked either. I think it would have been just as chaotic. And I see that right now. I see versions of me, you know, the people who hurt us and me. Like, I'm like, I was you. And like, I just hope that maybe in 10 years when you're my age, you learn how to just restrain that. Otherwise, it gets really dangerous. You know, power by the wrong, with the wrong people, just as dangerous as people with, who are powerless, right? So I think... That's what the word that I would say is, especially like if you're watching or any of the three, you know, women, people of color panelists, including Ray and Adrian, but I'm speaking like people perceived under the kind of like the intersectional oppression. Um, just you're, everyone's on their own journals, journey. So I'm on stage three right now where vulnerable, super aggressive, and now I'm in this proud stage. And I, I hope more people are that. When I, I Minji knows this because I've been putting it. Some of you might know I use sheepdog. You know, there's sheep, there's wolves, and there's sheepdogs. Minji and, and Ashley, because I know she, she works with us, sheepdogs. And Christina, I imagine you are. It's like you get angry when people are picking on you. Usually you don't say anything, right? But you, they pick on your, your grandma. They pick on your someone who's, who's defenseless, who, who can't defend themselves. I get, mm. that's where I'm like, Am I allowed to swear on Twitch? Like, like, fuck this. That's where my, like, I unleash. And Minji knows that was what happened. When I saw the coronavirus happen and people started already talking about Asians a certain way, I was like, fuck this. I used all my resources. I called people. I said, I'm going all out. Sadly, I was the only one going out all out last year and I got hit. But, you know, I'm glad people came a year later. But like, I was like... Next time, please come along when, when I'm asking for the cavalry, please just come along. Cause I'm not, I'm the, I don't want to be the only one getting blunted, which is sadly what happens sometimes, but I apologize. But yeah, that's my, <laughs> I was, I, I, I didn't properly back you up. And the, the funny thing is that <laughs> watching what Andrew is doing, I mean, we, he and I have talked a lot about leadership. That's how I grew up. In, yeah. in high school being like a leadership geek. And that was something that even then I was the self-aware type to know, oh dear God, am I being like that stereotype? But I was also kind of like, well, fuck it. Like I am who I am and yeah. learning how to own it saying, yeah, I care about graduation and prom. Like I want to make it excellent for you. Stop complaining. Um, <laughs> but harnessing whatever you have at your disposal. That's what I always saw in Andrew. And what we talked about with leadership is there's different forms of leadership that people have been accustomed to. I have by large kind of associated a previous version of leadership, much with the patriarchy, this very dominating, very like you do whatever the hell I say. I don't want questions, da, 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 very top down. And I do think that the Asian experience, like up until now, a very generalized, you know, um, descriptor would be like, we've been all of us, the whole world has been abiding by this patriarchal 
process, right? You yes. don't talk back up. You don't speak to the power. You, you take orders and you execute. And that's something that I have rebelled against because I just felt this injustice of like, who the hell are you to tell me what to do? Korean people are so crazy about the age thing. If you're an hour older than me, I'm supposed to call you like, you know, this. I did not like that. I'm not a fan. I also think that the Opa culture is creepy as hell. Yeah. Um, all of that. So it's kind of like we're in this shift right now. So I think there's a shift and we're really more aware of it uh, where we can speak about it in a, in a different way of leadership looks like somebody who inspires you mm. to follow, not somebody who like dominates you mm. and, and, and speaks down at you and condescends you, lords over you and tells you, hey, this is how it's supposed to go. And you just by default abide by it, that we can now question that. And I think that's what's happening generationally, I think cross-culturally, there's a lot of this shift that's been happening. I'm, I'm here for it, but it's also, we gotta, that's why I appreciate Andrew taking it for the team because all of us have different, different superpowers to play with, mm -hmm. right? Not all of us have the ability to speak to Congress, but we can speak to our families. We can speak to our friends. Um, I've been getting reached out to a lot by like black friends. It's been incredible because that the solidarity and what you can do when you you have true allyship is super powerful, but we got to work. Like there's a lot of work in between there to understand where we're all coming from because that's a very fraught relationship, the Asian and the black communities. Um, I'm getting educated. So it's kind of like this tag team strategy and this new form of leadership that's happening. Um, and I just want to say overall, I'm here for it, but it's a very messy place that we're in. So I just want to like, you know, encourage anybody who's feeling like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I see these examples and I look to Andrew and a few other people in the Asian American community that they are easily people that I can say, those are leaders. Those are people who are going and letting other people see and as an example and follow. And then I'm thinking, how can I contribute my piece to the best of my ability and my impact? If it's my podcast, if it's whatever, um, if it's in collaboration, is as an actor, like I talk with networks i talk to nbc i talk to hbo netflix what can i put in their ear to make them aware of the pain that we're going through and what they can do about it and suggest that we all have powers you know what i'm saying so i want to i want to just kind of like put that out into the twitch universe <laughs> everybody yeah. is a leader you are the leader yeah. of your own life and there are other forms of leadership that we can abide by instead of like this this one particular flex that everybody's been looking at is like the flex it's not anymore I to that I say fuck that like it's not just because you have money just because you have a status or title doesn't make you a leader doesn't make you somebody I have mm -hmm. to follow yeah. and I love that we're all here talking about this this is this is in my opinion leadership is making space for us to be able to talk these things through so what is that word how do you spell that greek word again yeah i want to yeah, know yeah it's yeah. <laughs> a greek word yeah i was questioning about that i was like wait uh, <laughs> it's kraus is uh pi Ro alpha Wait. Oh, okay so it's not like <laughs> english letters p-r-a-u-s it's greek um again I, I just learned it so on top of that people are like as minji said everybody has their own superpowers my superpower is like i'm nerdy so i don't yeah. think i have anything outside of that but you know minji's got her podcast you know everybody's got their own thing and that's perfectly okay not everyone's like oh i got a company or i got this right. podcast yeah. I don't want anybody watching to even come taken away to be like, oh, I don't know what to do then. You know, like you always, you're going to grow into it, especially because some of you guys are just young right now. So you're just in the beginning of the stages. So as long as you keep the momentum going, that's really all that matters. And then, yeah. 
yeah oh man no like it it's so hard to just even deal with all this shit and we can cuss on twitch just a heads up um but yeah i mean i want us to transition to the other question adrian if you want to ask that um oh what was it yeah i mean andrew you're saying how prowse like how to wield that power with restraint but that all kind of makes it even stronger and more focused and so looking into you know the future perhaps even near future um what sort of changes do you envision for our community i mean some some of us are in the arts and entertainment industry some of us are still in the academic world and studying this right now um what could that look like in your areas of influence do you mind if i i this is where the part where i will be a little bit kind of ted talky like if i oh. wasn't already but <laughs> i'm gonna keep it short though you can time me i'm, I'm gonna look i'll do this in like All a right. minute and a half all right i wrote about this because people have asked and, and i don't really have a platform that's kind of the main thing i would come here for and then the rest you know is amplifying you all is that real quick the arts you know it's the it starts with the grassroots so you got to give love to the activists who are the local organizations when you're raising three million dollars on these campaigns it got to go to the grassroots. And so that's why I think the, the woman who in San Francisco who gave away her one point, whatever million dollars, that is thinking about the collective. And that's where I think the grassroots, the collective generally wins, the people, quote unquote, the people. Then you have kind of the people who, who are working in companies. You know, that's more of like, quote unquote, like the structural things, like making sure you get represented, making sure you have a seat at the table. That's also there. And then you have the elite, quote unquote, elite and influencers who are amplifying it. So right now, everybody has their role. Just make sure that you don't discount other people's role, which is sometimes what I see. And I see the, the influencers who are like, well, you know, the grassroots, what did they do? You know, nobody, no, no change really happened until we spoke up. I'm like, that's not how you should talk because mm -hmm. the grassroots is going to say the same about the elites. Mm -hmm. We've been doing all the work and you came here to take our mic. So that's not mm -hmm. great either, right? So that's kind of like, where everybody has to kind of do their thing. And then, you know, you have to watch right now is always a time for cloud chasing, which is why right when we, this happened, some of you guys know I deplatformed myself. I said, just so in case I get called out in my company, I'm going to, I deleted all my archives, all my posts. So no one's like here to be like, oh, Andrew wants to be with, you know, his celebrity influencer friends. You know, no, I'm like, you want to hear, I'm going to talk for real. And that's how you know, because who, who would basically get rid of all their stuff? I did, right? Not just me, me and a handful of people all tried deplatforming ourselves. And I think that's where now if, if the grassroots want to work with me, they're like, well, Andrew's coming in for real. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm here to amplify. That's why if you look on our styles, the, 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 the influencers get, are getting it. They're just, you know, I think Olivia Munn does it well. She, you know, she goes on and uh, I love Olivia, but she retweets and reposts a lot. And she's not the one writing all of it. She's just it's not her words she's just Amplifying, echoing it and being yeah. a megaphone so that's kind of where um i i think she people like them are are doing um a lot of the real work and that coordination is what i hope to see more of and then on top of that coalition building that's a whole separate thing but we got to start now building coalitions mm -hmm. because it's not like our moment's always going to be here like you know, LGBT had Pulse nightclub that kind of activated a lot in addition to mm -hmm. a lot of other milestones for the LGBT community. Muslims 
you know, immigration and Latinx. So like everybody gets the mic, but you have to build coalitions from that. All right. That's two minutes, but yeah. <laughs> you're good. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, Ashley, Christina, Minji, if you want to add anything um, on top of that. <laughs> um, I think uh, what I've seen is a lot because everything is still online for us right now. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I feel like a lot of the things I've seen is through social media, like Andrew was discussing, how everyone was sharing a lot of things um, and posts that are written by um, main pages uh, and some people are writing their own stuff and we're reposting that and I think that's really great we're getting the word out but I also believe and really support having discussions like this because sometimes um, I feel like there's this air where people are sharing things but not a lot of people are like fully reading them or fully taking time to do the extra reading and it's them showing their like support but not really putting in like a little bit more of an extra step and I feel like encouraging conversation about it and also making it a safe space to have that conversation about it because some people are afraid of saying the wrong things and kind of we have kind of have to open up that space where it's like it's okay to say the wrong things if you like you know don't understand and we'll talk and discuss it so we can all move forward mm -hmm. um because being afraid to say the wrong things um kind of also puts us back a little bit because no one's going to say anything and then we can't move forward yeah so. true true Um, apologies ahead of time. I think my neighbors are doing something. They don't know what's going on. It's chill. Um, they're nice. They're a nice family. So I'm not, I'm not even mad. But um, I think what's something that's super important, especially for like this younger, like, I guess like my generation, like I'm considered like a zillennial or something like that, something like silly like that. Like to be honest, like I'm a whole, I'm a whole tired about gen generational categorization because I, I feel a type of way about it, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, I, I really feel like it starts and, you know, like harking back to Christina's like focus on education reform. I really think it starts with school. It really starts with like public education and everything like that. Because I remember I was taking AP, AP US history and I remember the Filipino Americans out of the 1,500 page book getting two pages. It was in color at least. So they didn't like, you know, they didn't like, you know, they put some money into the pages, I guess, but it's like two pages, two pages of my people. Like, are you serious? Like there, it's not like the Filipino American war happened in a, in a snap or something like that. And, and the same thing went for the Japanese Americans. Same thing happened to Chinese Americans, except instead of two pages, it was like five pages. And I was like, that's not how that works, but okay. Um, it really starts there. And I really feel like this is the part where people are wondering, how can I help? And I really think people need to push for local politics and participation, especially on like who's who's in the like, for example, like, are you keeping not only your politicians accountable, but the public education system in your city accountable? Because it's already it's different state by state. It's already complicated. And just thinking about how there's a bigger push for ethnic studies, for example, I remember having ethnic studies. Um, I didn't have it, but I remember it being pushed while I was exiting out of high school and all I was thinking was, man, if only I had that. I didn't learn about Manila Town in San Francisco from yeah. my public education system. I learned it from my brother who literally took me to the rebuilt I hotel. And mm -hmm. it gave me this like spark of, oh my God, I don't know my people. And in that turn, I don't know who I am. And I think 
it really comes back to education. And I think another thing too, is like in the next level, especially for public education, college, I think people, when people hear student advocacy, they think, oh, it's like protests and stuff like that. I was part of residential life and student advocacy is, is advocating for student life, for the quality, the betterment of, of students. It's advocating for better facilities, for better resources, for mental health, things like that. And to think about student advocacy, also recognizing the fact that UOP, when I was attending, I don't know what the statistics are now, 3% black. Yeah, still 3% black. That was a whole issue, right? It was 3% black. It was like a third uh, Asian and like a fourth white or whatever. And like Latinx mm -hmm. were like, like almost 10% or something like that. There you go with the statistics. However, you meet all these people and all these students coming from different walks of life. People who have had money their whole entire life. People who, like me, I was on scholarship the whole time I was there. I felt like I didn't belong there because I feel like someone just handed me this scholarship and was like, yeah, we feel bad for your economic like situation. Here's a scholarship. You're doing all right. It really comes back to education. I really think that what sucks about the pandemic is that the fact that these students who are going through so much, just emotionally, mentally, um, especially first-gen students, they're not meeting mm -hmm. people who are having similar experiences, which makes it harder for us to cope. And I think without those resources and without those groups of people, I really would have had a way harder time in college than I already had. And I think you have to start early. Like, this is why we have to care about the future generation. We, even though Gen Z is kind of weird and like, I don't understand TikTok. I'm like 23. I don't understand TikTok. I know I'm lame, but don't worry. I'm like, on that boat too. <laughs> it's like, what really, really, really counts right now is the fact that it's not about Gen Z is ladies E and entitled or whatever. Guess what? Gen X and the boomers talked about millennials the same exact way. We can't mm -hmm. be infighting. This is about wanting better for not only our kids, but also just for our siblings, it's for yeah. us. And in the long run, it's like, I feel like I'm here for like Minji and Andrew being being like, what's, what are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do now? And then because I'm so young, I'm thinking about what can I do now? And then what can I start trying to like push the dominoes for the next five, 10, 20 years? We really need to, I feel like, I remind you, we're going to have like a lot of, there's going to be a lot going on and it's going to be a lot of change really fast almost, especially because of social media. But I think this is going to be a culture shift. This is going to be a culture shift of people understanding that we don't have to be like our parents because our parents came here to survive. Yeah. But then we came here, we are here to live. We have to like, survival is important. Don't get me wrong. But now is the time for us to stop saying sorry about who we are, about what we want and what we need and start telling people and start telling our communities and telling even our government, local, state, federal, whatever, that we are your constituents. So this is our time to tell you that we want real, like cohesive action from you. Like we talk about performative action all the time and whatever like performative like allyship and stuff like that you know it's not performative calling your senator like i know this yeah. sounds super <laughs> cheesy i know like a lot of people are anxious and they're like i don't want to call i barely text people now you know what i used to i'm i was part of the grassroots movement i was part of vote 16 trying to lower the voting age in san francisco yep. i yeah. i was i was risking it because there was something in me 
that told me I have to take the risk of putting myself out there because I can't be waiting for representation. I got to do it myself. And that's why I think, especially people who are in the arts, especially like Minji, like, I think that's so cool that there's every reason why you should not succeed, but you're doing it anyway, and you are succeeding. Like, you have mm -hmm. to push for that. Um, again, like, that's why I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll ever be an educator. That's something that I have to decide later down the line, but mm -hmm. it's why I, I would not be the person I am without the educators in my life telling me that I can do more than what, like, what life has given me in terms of my hand. I'm poor, right? I grew up yeah. poor. I'm not straight. I'm a woman. I'm Filipino. Like, I got that light skin privilege, apparently, like, from the Filipinos. Like, you already know how it is. But, like, there's more. If, whenever I talk to people who have more reasons to not succeed, but then I've seen them succeed anyway, that's exactly what I'm trying to push for for everybody else. And it's that we don't have to keep surviving like our parents. We are, we are like the products of our parents' hard work. If really, if we really think about retrospectively, like my family wouldn't be here without the matriarchs of my, of my family. They are the ones yep. who saved money. They're the ones who petitioned and worked here by themselves. And I'm just thinking like, I want to make the matriarchs of my family proud, knowing mm. that I am taking advantage of every single thing that they have given me up until this point. And again, to reiterate for like everybody else, we have to stop saying sorry for who we are and for taking up space because we've actually been taking up space this whole goddamn time. So might as well just use it, use mm -hmm. the space. Yes. Oh my God, yes. Ashley, <laughs> when, are, when are you running for office? Yeah, I'll vote, I'll vote. Back to the Bay and vote. vote for you? Cause I want we, we see that all the time. Yeah, we're, Ashley, oh yeah, she's going to be the future president, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, so you're getting into diplomacy, right? I'm just like, or whatever, and I'm just like, Jesus, like, that's a heavy question. I will um, rally all the influencers, and we will do a massive social media campaign to, to get to campaign yeah, for you, Ashley. No, like, I'm always here for conversation and dialogue, because again, as I've said, IR, the whole thing is you don't want to get into war with each other, which is why mm -hmm. people think, oh, it's just a bunch of people in suits talking in the room. Yeah, you rather have that than have a war. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> yes. sure we don't want a war. <laughs> well, there are oh, some people. That's that's well, what I, I feel like is is an education point. Just like getting educated for me has been kind of seeing the dark underbelly of the world. And I think it's an ugly thing to look at. But yeah. when it comes to money, politics, power, there's a lot of people who have vested interests in things being really bad. They don't, they don't benefit when people are healthy. They don't benefit when we're peaceful. They benefit, they profit in a lot of different ways when shit's all bad, you know? There, yeah. So there's, it's not to be uh, super like nihilistic or like dark about it, but that's a reality. That's a, that's a, that's a reality of this, the sucky, but beautiful and complicated world. So given that that exists, I think, you know, it, it gives us more reason for us to kind of hold on to the hope and maintain that for future generations to hopefully improve it, make it safer and better, because I do think that it's possible. And it does feel like we're in this like really, precarious balance where it's like the slightest thing could shift it really in the wrong way. But yes. I, I have a lot at the end of the day, I think I'm a, quite a realist, but I'm optimist in the end because I do believe that the human spirit is not to be trifled with. When you have people that you care about on the line, we pull up. Do you know what I mean? I think yes. everybody's capable of that. So the thing I'll just add, because all of you guys are fire and I love you guys <laughs> and I'm so happy you exist. Yeah. 
I want to support your work. Uh, what I'll add to it, because I agree, um, is let's be creative about it. This is what I think is so dope about the younger generation. And I do not, anybody who's younger, I'm, I'm in my 30s, okay? But anybody who like <laughs> uses the, uh, the not necessarily excuse or the reasoning or the thinking like I'm too young to make an impact, that's a mm. load of crap. You dismantled a Trump campaign rally by TikTok. Like that happened. K-pop, by the way. I I have issues with K-pop because I know the industry, but like I will bow down to the fans who are that yep. savage and smart and crafty and they executed, man, and they handled it. And that's what I see because I do love TikTok. Like I'm totally in there. <laughs> people yeah. get very creative and what people can do in a 15 to 30 second or 60 second video yeah. to yeah. rally millions of people or whatever, like far more than what you could do just in the olden days when you could put an ad in the paper or you had to do single person one by one calling. There are a lot of things at our disposal right now that are to our advantage. And it's for us to be creative and bold and to take up space and to make it matter because other people want to care. Maybe they just don't know. Mm -hmm. So there's tons of education that we can do, a lot of creative ways to do it. I'm still learning about all the different systemic ways by law, by policy, that racism exists, that it's baked into yeah. the fabric of how we operate in this country. And it blows my mind how much I've been ignorant to. And it, it, it is showing my very privileged belly. Like I'm realizing like how much I have benefited from remaining ignorant. And that is no longer an option. Mm -hmm. So we can understand race, we can understand the economy, we can understand politics from these very, very layered intersecting ways. And I just wanna say, even again, for the younger generation, when I was in college at Berkeley, go Bears, I was in leadership of the Korean American Student Association. So I was very part of the Asian American community. Mm -hmm. Intersectionality did not exist. That term, that word, nobody said it. No one, I didn't know what it was. And I was in, you know, the leadership of the club. We talked about, should we tutor or do clubbing nights? Should we do karaoke or how do <laughs> we fundraise by getting in and out and like selling it yeah. on campus? <laughs> So we were scrappy, mind you, but we were not having these sophisticated conversations. So I am very, very, very like enthused and heartened by the fact that there's such sophisticated conversation happening at such a young age. It's mind boggling to me mm -hmm. because I'm trying to talk to my peers in our 30s because we have different problems. They're, they're raising babies and mortgages and all that stuff. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to like have space for all of that, even though it is important, right? So I just want to like anybody who's younger, it's not, don't ever use that against you because there's so many ways that it's for you. And if anything, we're able to have these conversations like you, you guys have Andrew and me have your back. Like I didn't have somebody 10 plus years older than me offering to like help me. I could have asked for it, but I didn't know. Right. Um, so I think we're getting creative. Um, I duped it out with an Asian American professor from Cal State East Bay the other like two years ago at Google during a mm -hmm. panel because he told me he was basically positing. He was saying like, we need to all get off our screens and care about things that matter because I agreed with him in principle. He was like, we need to care about immigration. We need to care about voting, all things that I care about. But he was saying like, we all need to get off our screens. And I shot back at him respectfully. And I was <laughs> like, we're not getting off our screens. So I want to change what's on the screen. Like that's, we're not, you're not going to change. You're asking an entire, you're asking generations of kids to stop their habits and their interests. It's not going to happen. So I think you're fighting a losing battle. I think what's better is like, if you and I collaborated, you educate me on Asian American studies, and then I can bake that into 
a kick-ass show or movie so that it's like you're serving your vegetables in your dessert. That's some powerful <laughs> stuff right there. So that's creativity. That's strategy. So I wanted to work with him, but I felt bad because I was like hella talking back to an elder. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I'm here uh, for you being like, I went, I got back at him, but respectfully, because that's the thing. I feel like we, we're like, I want to clap back, but I'll do it respectfully. So I don't lose my street cred. Like, I feel like that's something mm. that we all kind of do unintentionally because mm. again, we're raised to like, respect your adults, respect your elders. But I feel like when you come at someone angry, elder or not, mm-hmm. that's the moment that the conversation shuts down. So I, mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel yeah. That. And the thing is, I had to check myself because he, he was not uh, attacking me. He was saying things I didn't like because I felt, I felt very defensive of like the younger generation, right? But I had to check myself and like say, hey, is this guy like, are we on the same team? We're just like going about it a different way. So I'm still learning. Maybe I'm on the, the cusp, Andrew, of like, I'm working out of the angry part. Into the, <laughs> yeah. No, I can feel it. You, yeah, you got, I, yeah. I would say um, small little thing to even like what Minji said, you forget that our, the older generation is what part of it that fucked it up. So I actually think she's totally right. Like you're cleaning up our, my generation's mess. Yeah. A lot of the voting issues is people my age and a little bit older that are kind of like screwing up voter suppression, all these things you're talking about. They're not done by the youth. It's done by the older people. So I, I echo that, Minji. I, I just, I'm trying to give a data point to actually sh- remind the youth that you guys actually do have the power because uh, our generation screwed up. That's actually why I care so much in making sure you, if you're going to have the power, make sure you get it right then, right? It's still wielding the right thing. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm, it's, it's been really tough on like, you know, what can we do to make that changes and how it's going to happen, um, especially like affirmative action and what can we do, at, not just as a community, but to other communities alike. Um, from Coming from where I'm coming from, I, I'm from a lower income background. Uh, I've, I've been raised with both parents who worked two jobs or maybe in factory jobs, great shift, night shifts. I will say this model minority term is some fucking bullshit. Okay. Like I wanted to break that meaning so hard. Um, and it's, it's really tough because it's like, there are different age communities. It's, there's like systemic change that does need to happen or social class that needs to be changed. Cause there's a lot of like Asian Americans here, especially where I'm from that, you know, most of the Asian American communities aren't really supportive. It's not even just because of each other. It's what's been going on. It's like, they just talk back against each other or it's really hard for them to even bond. And there will be those times where, you know, when you have a group of friends, it's a bit of a mixed situation. Uh, I do want to like transition to the other things. Um, it's like, what kind of things like, for example, us as collaboration or any other org is that we have that specific mission to empower API and media. Um, what do you want to see us from an org just like us? What can we do to support uh, other communities alike? Yeah, that was a bit of a curveball situation here. Um, I think where Andrew was talking earlier, I think a lot of um, collaboration with other organizations, maybe more discussion panels like this with um, other minority groups to see how we as a collaborative can like come together. Um, Cause we were talking earlier about how the Asian and black communities have had like, you know, it rough for a little bit. I feel like that just needs an open conversation where we can discuss how we can help each other and how can we can come to an understanding with each other. Same with the Latinx 
Muslim, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I feel like it would just be really nice to use all of our platforms to kind of unify each other. Um, because it's, at the end of the day, we're fighting against hate, just hate period, you know? And we can do that together instead of this minority versus my minority thing is not productive whatsoever. True, true. I feel like this is like, well, I'm like on the board of collaboration. So I'm like, am I supposed to <laughs> maybe, Careful what maybe. you say? <laughs> I just think it's consciousness, right? I think it's, it is echoing a lot of what's been discussed today. Education is really imperative and it is the most impactful because then I think it will, it will educate better decision-making in terms of how you select for a panel, right? How you, um, how you make sure that there is representation. Some people kind of think that it happens by default. A lot of it takes a lot of conscious effort to find different different uh, ethnicities of Asian Americans. You know, collaboration mm-hmm. was uh, originally a Korean American showcase and five years in became like a pan Asian American Pacific Islander thing. Have we always had a ton of South Asian representation? No, and that's been a conversation that's been happening within the APA community between, I've had so many conversations of like South Asians who are like, well, we don't belong with you guys. We're not East Asian. And then some of them say it like, we don't want to be. Others are like, why aren't we included? Mm. There's a lot of those companies yeah. like, that's work. That's work to go through those mental gymnastics and, and to be empathetic, to listen, but also have a, an opinion. Um, that's work that I continue to encourage collaboration to have. They, has it been perfect? No. But is it necessary? Yeah. Someone, you know, and if we're volunteering to do it, um, that's the kind of thing I encourage. And that takes a lot of discomfort, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And, and failing upwards, I think. That's also the, I'm saying, I've seen this across Asian America for the last 12 years in spades. There's a huge fear of failure, a fear of yeah. saying the wrong thing. And we, we've got to, we're, I think we're in the process of like getting past that obsession of like, I can't, I can't mess up. I can't say the wrong thing. It's mm. going to be inherently clunky, you know? So yeah, it's culture shift, which Andrew's all about bridging cultures. <laughs> bridging cultures. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't have too much to add on that because like both of you were super spot on, but it's it's very much like I remember having this conversation with like it was like a half joke, but it wasn't really um about like the Asian tier, like as like a pyramid. It was like a pyramid that like the East Asians like were at the top. And then people like me, like who are Southeast Asian or South Asian are at the bottom. And it's to some, you know, like that's a very complicated conversation to have. And I think that's why we have so much um, friction between our community because being Asian American is such like, it's so wide. It's like you're casting, you're casting a net and then expecting the same fish. And it turns out you are in a very complex ecosystem that it's not gonna be like that. You're gonna get your crabs and you get your tuna, tuna and stuff like that. And I think something that we really have to think about is that like that derives from our our cultures and our country's experiences of colonialism and imperialism mm. that force this idea of having light skin is better than having darker skin. And like, there's all these other just like elements of like the two official languages in, in the Philippines is Tagalog and it's English. Yep. And for that to be the two official languages, 
one that's deriving a lot from Spanish words and, and the Spanish language, but another one being like, when you know English in the Philippines, you are automatically considered better. You're considered mm -hmm. more educated, even though that doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that, oh, you are better off because you know English, which means like you're just definitely better economically, socially, whatever. And I think we have to kind of, I know that's like a lot and it's a very complex conversation for another day, but it's, we have to continuously break down what really stems from our kind of infighting because yes being asian is a super big vague word because that's many many countries and it's a very very complex conversation to have but i think it ultimately has to come down to the experiences of colonialism and imperialism the what of white supremacy of the things that have forced us into a corner thinking that, oh, well, at least I'm better than them because I have light skin. At least I'm better than them because I at least have a little bit more money or at least I'm better than them because at least white people know who Chinese people are and not really what Filipinos are and they're just kind of kind of clump you up together. But we have to stop like thinking that way. And I think that's really, that's very, very hard again a culture shift. Um, and that's something that we have to constantly have dialogue about and it's gonna be super uncomfortable. It's gonna make us feel bad for almost existing sometimes. But I think yeah. that's where you have to keep fighting that. You have to keep fighting the fact that you are not, you are the product of your parents, you are the product of your culture and stuff like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean like, you have to be exactly the way they expect you to be. As like we've said many times before, like I, you know, it's like this was like 50 years ago, I shouldn't be 50, 60 years ago, I shouldn't be learning Japanese because of the Japanese occupation in the Philippines. Like there's, mm -hmm. and that's hard. That's a hard conversation to have with someone, especially with someone like me, who that friction's always there. But that's why we need to handle the friction because if we don't, the friction suddenly becomes why we hate each other and rather than why we have to curb the hate and prevent it. Um, but yeah, like I totally agree with, with both of you like it's so hard <laughs> this is very very hard and it's not gonna happen like in a second but i think this is why people who have power and people who don't have power have to come to a consensus of what it means to bring each other up and yeah. also in a way kind of humble each other as well because i feel like sometimes we forget like i've taught andrew this freaking saying apparently don't get lost in your sauce man like don't don't get lost in your sauce because then you'll forget what the real fight is, what it really matters to be who you are and why, you know, it's hashtag stop Asian hate, but it's also hashtag Black Lives Matter. It's also hashtag all these other hashtags. But at the end of the day, behind that hashtag is real people doing real work and it's advocating for people who probably would have never thought that they even mattered in the first place. So yeah. I, think, I think this platform is really great because it's not about what you just do now or what you did in the past. It's about where, what you're going to do in the future. It's about potential. And any, any organization that has potential is an organization that has to really lean into that and lean into the fact that this potential can really bring you farther than you ever thought it was going to be. So that's my two cents. Wow. Um, again, it's a lot. But no, this is good. This is really good conversation to have. Um, and I mean, if you guys want to, uh, we're, we're going to sort of close this out a bit, but we do want to answer maybe questions from the chat. Um, if you guys want to answer any other comments about it, but uh, let me see if I can go through the questions real quick. Um, there, was a, there was a quick one. I yeah. think, Ashley, you were talking about a, a 
book earlier and someone yeah. wants to know what the title was uh i think you said a couple books but yeah i i just love reading um, <laughs> so it's called the chinaman's chance by eric Liu. um um in case some people like in the audience don't know um chinaman is supposed to be derogatory but um real quick eric Liu references chinaman as um it's something that his dad would say and kind of like he re purpose the word into being like ah you have like a chinaman's look the blah blah and he it's what's funny is that like it's supposed to be derogatory completely and yet his dad kind of just leaned into it and then so did eric and that's i actually met him that was crazy but it was about it's about the power of words and i think you know i was listening to tony morrison's uh nobel lecture speech recently for a class and then i was just thinking like I don't think people really do grasp this fact of how important words are. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that spoken word, like music, whatever, like words can cause just as much peace and as much as they can cause violence. And I think that's something that we always have to note. So A Chinaman's Chance by Eric Liu. It's a good read, a very good read. Yeah, um, probably another, just one last question from the chat then. Um, it's uh, how how have you how felt the impact of racism in the realm of arts entertainment? I know a lot of us are behind this, um, behind the scenes, and also in front of the cameras or using our own voices. How's that been really affecting your, you guys as of recent? I'm guessing that's me. Um, uh, yeah. I would love to. I really want to hear guys' uh, opinions. If you have any insight, I would love to hear it. Um, right now, diversity is trendy. It's, I mean, I've been in this conversation 12 years, day in and day out every day, advocating for it. Most of the time, fall, it falling on deaf ears and being kind of like, that's cute. Okay, yeah, we're like, we care. But in terms of there being a hierarchy in terms of diversity, it went much more to Black, Latino, women, LGBTQ, and then way down there was Asians. Like I literally heard this from marketing agencies of like, we don't have money to go towards your group. Um, so it's, it's interesting, um, but we don't want it to be a trend because for a lot of people, it's about our real life and our humanity. It's not for us to be like a buzzword or a trend, um, but I don't think there's any going back. People have made their opinions and voices known. So in terms of what the industry, I know that I mean, there's so many stupid microaggressions happening from problematic people. There's a lot of um, enthusiasm behind it, and that's very real. People are excited mm -hmm. to hear and see different stories, see different faces. It's amazing. On the other side, there's people who are complaining like, oh, God, it's it's like such a good time to be an ethnic actor. Like, it's 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 it sucks being a white actor in Hollywood now. I'm like, cry me a river, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it's stuff like that you know it's it and it's it is what it is i don't know i mean that's how i have to treat it or else i'll go nuts but um mm -hmm. it is a it's a good opportune time there's more platforms than ever before yeah. people are looking for content from every channel because every like literally every studio is making their own like website and subscription service yeah. i don't know how that's gonna go that's a whole <laughs> other like tech you know conglomerate and corporation conversation but yeah. Yeah, people are people are looking for it and they're realizing like light bulb. Oh, you don't have to be Asian to like Asian content like people. People thought that crazy rich Asians. I was like, where do you like I grew up <laughs> watching every other kind of person's content like 
the, it didn't have to be Asian American for me to want to watch it. So I, people had all these like projections of what Crazy Rich Asians was going to be. Which again, it's not a perfect movie. I'm not saying that represents all of the Asian American conversation. But I'm saying from the from the man from the studios, they were very conservative of their projection of how well that movie was going to do. It I think it like 10x their mm. their expectations in terms of box office. So people just want different, interesting, fun, <laughs> ridiculous you know, dramatic, sexy stories, period. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be one thing. So I'm excited for the diversity. It's happening. Um, again, some people are doing it better than others, but I will keep that to myself. <laughs> um, um, Andrew. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. You go. go, go ahead, Christina, go ahead. you go. Okay. <laughs> um, like, kind of to, like, um, add on to that a little bit. Like, yeah, on the note of diversity and trending up, um, I'm also really excited. A lot of my friends are really excited about it. I have uh, friends in the like, theater and arts realm. Um, I was gonna, supposed to go into musical theater for a little bit, which is very predominantly like white. Um, but I do kind of have noticed, um, especially with the new movie Raya that come out, came out, right? Um, we were all really excited, but at the same time, it kind of sparked this infighting within the Asian community about the cast, yeah. about like what specific ethnicity they were. And while I do respect like the specific representation, uh, I would also kind of like to speak out about like, be wary about infighting because at the end of the day, our goal is this one end goal and we want to work on this together. Um, and bringing up the issue is always going to be productive, but it's how we bring it up is whether or not it's going to be effective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I actually, I Christina, you that was a, that's such an amazing point. I didn't think that's talked enough about in in the Asian kind of diaspora, Asian American especially, but uh, because Raya and CRA, people say oh, they're problematic. And I would say what Christina said is dead on. And I would ex expand that by saying, it's about the big picture. And that's the problem. The problem is, I would say if you pulled, you know, kind of the Asian American diaspora right now, but the Asian diaspora, but the Asian American subset, like American Canadians, Americans and Canadians. And I think if you look at that group, you know, oh, whether it's Shang-Chi, is that going to be problematic? Is it going to be, you know, uh, you know, is Mirari like perfect? And no one's shouting out uh, Minji's uh, parasite background right there reference. Like, I think ultimately we have to see the big picture. Number yeah. one, it's about the, it's about abundance mentality. There's more than enough. And I'm a systems guy. I mean, I speak to talent because I have an agent. Most people know I have a, I'm, I'm signed to Penguin Random House. And then, you know, when, when stuff was breaking, you're like, hey, we have, we have one book. You know, my agent's like, you want to sell another book? My agent's white. So, you know, she's, she's one of the best in, in all of literary. She's a literary agent. And she's like, you want to sell a second book? So I have a second book and a third book I'm working on. And you're like, your content's hot. And that's how, that's kind of how, sorry, sorry, I'm calling her a kitty, but like, oh, it's, it's how white people talk, right? It's like, oh, you're really on trend right now. And it's exactly <laughs> what Minty was saying. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what do you want? You want an Asian leadership book? That's kind of what I'm getting ready to write. And I'm like, the problem is, is that if you see it as kind of like this moment now, short term, you got to seize the moment now. The problem is that it kind of becomes very short-sighted and that's what creates this infighting. Oh, you didn't get enough East Asians in Raya, but Raya is a, is a Southeast Asian movie. Well, yes. you have to think beyond that, you know, because of Raya, because of Sierra, because of Minari, because of Parasite, 
it creates more greenlit deals that let bigger things because of the Boba book that we were a bestseller. Other Asian books that are not about coffee and tea are now sold because of us, you know, and you know, don't hate on the, you know, don't hate on the Boba book. Like it's about Boba, but I didn't represent everybody. I get it. But I think if you see that mindset, especially, you know, as you're getting to know this in the arts, that's how it works. Do not lose sight of the bigger picture. Now, if for 10 years straight, they're all crazy rich Asians riding the last dragon, then you have an issue. But I don't think Asian America is having that issue right now. I think the issue is you got your minaries, you got your, you know, life of pie, you got your, um, the big sick, you got your master of none season three, shout to disease that you're getting those. So I think we're on the right track. Don't be, you know, not, not nobody on the panel and you and, and here, but if you're listening and this is in this time capsule, you, this moment, you got to think outside of this one little like two, five year period, 10 year, 15 year period. We'll remember when from Minari to Parasite to Raya to Shang-Chi, that that's a pretty wide spectrum to big sick, you know, South Asians here. So they are getting that. We just need more. And we see an abundance mentality. I think good things will happen. When you see scarcity mentality, I'm a businessman. Scarcity mentality kills, kills everything. Every business person will tell you that. It's when you don't grow the pie. We need to grow the pie right now. So grow the pie, you'll get your slice. That's what I've been preaching. And that's why people are like, oh, Andrew, will you donate? And I'm like, if you, I even think that you're a scarcity mindset person, you get no money from me and all our friends. And I, I just say that not as a flex of, it's not a secret that I have, a, have, I have cash. It is now about growing the pie. So if you're not yeah. growing the pie, I'm sorry. If you're an artist that is scarcity mentality, you'll never get your deal funded. It's just the truth. No, that's these are some yeah again this is the reality and again we more and more projects are coming out uh, from our community into the space of like disney plus netflix and so forth like that's what we want to what's oh, up Don? really quickly want to plug because collaboration our roots are in like performance artists like we've yep. had randall park and steven Yeun in our in our showcases yep. back in the yep. day but it's been heavily focused on like music and, and dancing and comedians and whatnot. Music specifically, I've heard it from numerous, very, very incredibly talented, more talented, a lot of people I hear on the radio talented, be told to their face that they're not marketable. Mm -hmm. They've been told by labels, they've been told by agents that we don't know what to do with you. We don't know where we can like sell your albums, blah, blah, blah. Then social media hit, it flipped it on its head, but there still are archaic things in place where they still believe we don't know how we can market you. That's changing rapidly and they are all there's intersectionality within the entertainment industry there's there's literary there's music there's animation there's narrative there's documentaries there's everything so like much. so many different things yeah. but um it's like you know don't we, we can't compartmentalize everything everything influences everything with asian american people i think that there is a specific a visibility thing about the way that we look. We cannot erase that. There's like amazing conversations happening in the adoptee community about that experience of like, yeah. they have looked Asian their whole life, but they have, you know, been raised by white or just non-Asian families. What does that mean? How do they exist? Are they Asian? Are they not? There's so many of these stories and um, it's something that we can't just erase and hide behind something. So 
we're, we're talking about it, which is good. And the change is happening and we have power of like how that shifts. And I want to encourage people use like data. Andrew, you know, this data is, yeah. it is yeah. watch. If you can be mindful and conscious of where you put your eyeballs and your dollars, you're making a difference. Impact, I'll yeah. say that as a podcaster, if someone downloads my podcast that I am, I don't know where it even came from, but I'm like, thank you to that person who felt like this was worth listening to. That data point matters a lot to me. Um, somebody buying, you know, Andrew's product, that matters to him. That's that's sustenance for us. That's our ability to 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 live and pay to eat. And so yeah, yeah just just don't discount. I, I really just think that people have a lot more power than we might think. And we need reminders of that. I constantly need reminders of like how much power we have on our devices, in our conversations, in our work. So mm-hmm. I will get off my platform. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is good. This is good. But thank you, Mindy. You no, know, no, real quick. Like, I'm not like an artist of any sort. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like if I was if I'm a creator of anything, I'm I'm more of like I create spaces so for people to talk and stuff like that. Like, I try to create something for other people in that way. But I think, and this is to like everybody. It's it's like a situation, everything like that. We need our we need our musicians. We need our we need our, like our our podcasters. We need our our book writers. Stuff like that. You know what we also need? We need people who are, who took the chance to even get into the industry. We need Asian American producers and directors and like yes. people who will even give the opportunity in the first place. Because as someone who loves being behind the scenes, like I'm not behind the scenes in the art sense of the way, but behind the scenes and trying to like create platforms for people for student advocacy for things like that even the mere idea of having someone even think about you in that way. And it's just like, yeah, this is, this is, this is the casting director. The casting director wants this, blah, blah, blah. We need people who are also behind the scenes to even make those opportunities happen. And that's why I strongly encourage, I'm a big supporter of the arts. I love the arts very much. My older brother is a professional wrestler. He's a Filipino American professional wrestler. That doesn't make any sense for some people. He's out there, his partner, She's a film journalist and a screenplay writer. She's literally, she's out there making things happen. And I think that's why you need people. We need people who are going to take the risk and be like, you know what? This industry wasn't built for me, but I'm going to make it be built for people like me. That's what matters. Um, So please support the arts. The arts are so important. They're the reflection of our reality. And reality is just a reflection of the arts. So that's just my Yes. I'm so sorry. Like one last Go thing, ahead. I know we have to end soon. But um, to backpack on Ashley, like for real, um, because I went to conservatory program for a little bit for the musical theater, and literally, I was sitting in an acting room and they were co- covering accents, and my professor, who was white, expected me to do the stereotypical Asian accent, no. like straight up, and I told her I don't feel comfortable doing it because I feel like it's racist. Mm-hmm. And then she told me, but that's what they're going to look for you in a casting room. And in that, like, she straight up told me that me, like 16 years old, just trying to do a summer program. Um, and in that moment, I like got more in towards directing. Like that does, did push me that way. Um, and that's why I really want to like backpack on Ashley because we do need more people that c- can shift that narrative in behind the scenes, we need more screenwriters that can write our narrative. Because for example, um, the Broadway musical, um, Miss Saigon, written by white men. <laughs> Sorry, written by the men that wrote Les Miserables. Like, mm-hmm. um, fetishized the Vietnamese character completely. You know, like, 
everything about that. Um, when I was young and a little more ignorant, I was like, oh my gosh, it was about me. And then I like grew up and I was like, oh no, it's about me like that, you know? <laughs> that was the very um, first audition I ever had, Christina. The very first time I actually went on an audition was for a local theater doing Miss Saigon. And I didn't know that much about it. I thought the same as you. I was like, oh, it's about it. It's an Asian American female protagonist. And then I read, I was like, Wait, what? Wait. Like, yeah. yeah so it was a lot of everything. Right. Props to you for speaking up. I like, I applaud you. That's incredible. Good for you. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, we want to, there's so much to talk about, and there's so, so much that we can celebrate, so much work to do. Um, we are, we are, want to respect your, <laughs> y'all's times. And, um, and so, uh, just to just to close tonight out, um, we do have a couple of commands in the chat. Um, if you hit exclamation part point donate, um, it'll have a link where you can donate, and those proceeds will go to um, stop AAPI hate. And if you do uh, exclamation point support, it'll have a link with tons of resources that you can uh, educate yourself, share with others, to educate your friends, um, and do more learning. Um, for the people in our uh, panel, um, just share a little bit about what you're working on or your socials and um, if, if you'd like, and then where, so we can uh, support y'all and what you, you all do. Follow me, Any, <laughs> first of all, per no, podcast. No, <laughs> okay. Um, Christina, I'll, Ashley. Yeah, go, go Christina and Ashley. Um, well, my, I'm usually on Instagram. I don't know how to use Twitter. I technological grandma, young in the heart, young, <laughs> like old in the tech. Um, <laughs> I feel you. But it's, uh, it's just Christina underscore Q. My last name's K-I-E-U. Um, I'm on the Vietnamese student union board at UCLA, um, trying to put together this year's Vietnamese culture night hard with um sorry I don't know if my my airpod gave out like last minute um but it's been really hard with uh coordinating on zoom but we're doing our best to make an event happen this year um so keep tabs on that maybe oh my god okay I've admitted this like on Instagram I'm super bad at social media but if you want to follow me and if you want to talk to me at all because I love dialogue and I love book recommendations yeah. um I'm winter underscore solstice it's like three e's I know that's so dumb um if I ever became a wrestler that would have been my wrestling name by the way fun fact um yeah talk talk to me talk to me about books talk to me about the refugee crises I know it's been 10 years since the Syrian civil war began mm -hmm. and so it's been it's been a lot um talk to me if you just want to have a conversation or if you just want someone to hear you because I'll hear you um I promise you that and you know I might start going back training again I don't know if I'm going to be one of those you know hip bloggers or whatever like that <laughs> but um you know you'll you'll see me in action on Instagram um on my stories mostly so I'd love to have a talk so feel free to talk to me yeah uh Andrew or Minji yeah Minji, you go. I, 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 I don't need to really say anything. <laughs> uh, you can follow my Instagram. It's at Minjizi. Someone from Club SF gave me that name, by the way. Um, and it's stuck. And my podcast is, first of all, 
Uh, I'm writing something. I'm an actor, but I, I've transitioned. I want to write and direct because um, I've auditioned for enough bad stuff. So I'm like, I can't be worse <laughs> than this. I will ask for help. Um, so keep an eye out, hopefully. Um, yeah, fledgling filmmaker. And then I'm building a, a web platform to support creatives. So that I need beta testers. So hit me up. I got Yeah, yeah I got right. I, I, I yeah. You're exactly <laughs> the audience. Let's talk. Now, Andrew, you don't have to share socials and stuff but just things that you're working on like books um i will amplify um well the book let's take a couple of years but i want to amplify i forgot um the tomorrow is the big day of action right for the api community so a lot of our yes. friends are behind that one so shouts to everybody at stand with asian stop the api hate a lot of good things and then on saturday um in all over there's the philly shouts to anybody who's watching from philly but uh, la sf new york the big cities with Asian populations has a lot of rallies. There's a big one that you can just do that's really easy. You can, it's it's an active as we speak. We got all the national carriers of your cell phones, like Verizon's and AT&T to be on board. If mm -hmm. you text AAPI to 20222, 20222. AAPI to 20222, you can donate $10. Easiest way to donate $10. It just gets hits. If you guys know how it works, it just hits your carrier bill. We it took this is where the, the power structure you gotta you gotta you gotta do all these calls and call these <laughs> like you know call the white man and get them to sign up for this. Mm -hmm. But they they we have that and it's super easy easiest way to donate. And so you're you're gonna see a campaign uh, all day tomorrow and yep. uh, please repost. So it's AAPI like who we are mm -hmm. to two zero two 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 zero. Two, two, and that's three, super two, cool. Three twos. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's uh, so it'll be uh, I think it's called AAPI Strong is the campaign. So we got Comcast, McDonald's. Um, I sit on the board of National Ace, which is the the chamber for uh, small businesses. So a lot of the money is basically going to go to AAPI small businesses. Um, so yeah. No, that's great. Again, thank you all for contributing your time. On your busy, busy schedules. I know it's been tough on all of us. Um, and I do want to wrap it up from here. Um, again, thank you all for tuning into the stream. Again, support the community. Stop Asian hate. Again, this is an ongoing conversation. Talk with your families about it. Uh, talk to teachers, you know, make awareness. That's what we have to do. And it's very important for us, especially for our community and everyone else's. But again, yeah, we're going to end it off here. Say, we'll see y'all later, right? Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Stay safe, drink water. Thank you so much for listening as we are prepping for the new season of Golden Great. Send questions, comments, and episode ideas our way to goldandgreat at collaboration.org. Don't forget, collaboration is spelled with a K. This episode was edited and supervising produced by Adrian Chen, uh, produced by Ray Wong, and our executive producer is Josh Ko. Our beautiful theme song was composed by Robert Gu, and you can learn more about Bobby's work at bobbygemusic.com. I'm Josh Ko, and we'll see you soon, very soon, promise, with more stories of the gold and great. Take care of yourself, and if you can, take care of someone else. Stay well.